for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! And welcome in to yet another episode of the Blitz Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Mr. Kane Schwartz. We're running the same operation that we did for last episode. Uh, the laptop has not been cooperating, but good thing Jaden's has. So that's a big win. He's got a big fancy new monitor he's been doing all the sick-ass graphics on. Um, so how are you feeling, man? You ready to dive into our 30th ranked team in the National Football League? Yeah, pretty excited to get going. Uh, talking Texans today. Uh, should be a little bit more interesting than the Rams, considering they've got some highlights at more than two positional spots. So that's fun. Yeah, I feel like the Rams episode was more like, how the fuck did we get here? Um, as opposed to actually evaluating the team. Uh, so I'm looking forward to actually doing some uh, player analysis today. Uh, but yeah, without... Further ado, let's dive into the 2023 Houston Texans, who started off, well, I guess the draft was afterwards, but they made a splash this offseason, and their biggest splash so far was drafting their new franchise quarterback, which was C.J. Stroud, quarterback out of Ohio State, taking him second overall behind Bryce Young, who ended up going to the Panthers. Uh, Those two guys were... One and two, no doubt, um, in this class, basically. I mean, honestly, there was some doubt a little bit. Um, AR-15 really started to rise up boards towards the end there. Who knows what happened with Will Levis? Um, not too uh, proud of that whole situation, considering he a cat. Um, but C.J. Stroud, it was no shock to see him go to, um, to the Texans. And, um, yeah, they followed that up by going Will Anderson right after. But let's talk about C.J. Stroud. Um, There was concern towards the end of the draft process that Stroud might not be the guy um, on the new, what's the new test called? The S2. Yeah, the S2 cognition test. C.J. Stroud did the worst out of any quarterback eligible for the draft this year. Uh, So that was rough. Um, But that didn't deter the Houston Texans from taking him number two. Uh, So are you leaning towards more of the hype or not, I guess, lack thereof of hype uh, towards the end of the draft process when he was scoring low on the scores and people were thinking that maybe he shouldn't be uh, one of those top quarterbacks? Or are you leaning towards more of the evaluation of him towards the beginning of the draft process where he was a clear one and two right next to Bryce Young? Yeah, his draft process was pretty weird because it, we went into the season and it was pretty fairly thought of by most draft people that it was going to be Bryce Young 1, C.J. Stroud 2, and as the season went on, Stroud kind of started to fall out of favor a little bit. Bryce Young really pulled ahead as the definitive number one because even you know early in last season, it was kind of a toss-up between those two guys, uh, but then Bryce Young really started to pull away, and a lot of people were down on Stroud for a little bit, uh, and then the national championship game happens against Georgia, where he goes out and puts up phenomenal numbers, plays fantastic, uh, and 
everybody starts buying back in on Stroud as number two. You know, there was a point in time where we all thought he was going to go number one when Carolina traded up. That was the big thing. Like all the odds shifted towards Stroud being number one. And a lot of people were a little confused as to why, because it, you know, a lot of people had come to the conclusion that Bryce Young was their number one quarterback. There was a lot of money made, I believe on uh, the books for people that were betting Bryce Young to go number one overall, because that seemed like it should have been the thing all along. Um, And yet, like you said, Anthony Richardson was rising up, but, I was kind of always lukewarm on Stroud. I had Anthony Richardson as my number two quarterback behind Bryce Young and then Stroud at three. Um, But I think this is a solid spot for him. He's going to be able to deliver the ball. Uh, He's going to be your your point guard type quarterback. Uh, I just am going to gravitate towards the traits of an Anthony Richardson. Um, And I... Bryce Young was phenomenal at Alabama, so I had those two guys in front. But I think this could work. I, I was, again, I was a little skeptical on Stroud, but I like this situation that he's fallen into here in Houston. Yeah, I like it too. I mean, he's got a nice uh, young group of wide receivers to work with. He's got a nice young running back going into his second season to work with. Nice offensive line. So he's in a comfortable position in his rookie year where it seems like there was debate uh, that Davis Mills might start the year, but the reports out of OTAs right now are that C.J. Stroud has taken this team over as his own. Um, he's been a real leader on the field, and um, he's been impressing everybody at OTAs. Uh, so it seems like he's going to start from day one, um, which we'll see how it goes. You know, like there has been a recent track record of rookie quarterbacks starting their first game and not doing so well, uh, a.k.a. Sam Darnold, Zach Wilson, um, Jets quarterbacks. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see how it goes. You know, they're going to throw him into the fire. And I think if anybody's prepared for it, I think C.J. Stroud, out of all the quarterbacks, is the most prepared for a situation like that. Um, but, yeah, he's going to have a nice group of talented playmakers to work with, as I mentioned. Uh, so let's go ahead and move on to the playmakers slide where we dive into some of the younger wide receivers they have and, I mean, all-around younger pieces that they have. Uh, so, wide receiver core, they did give Robert Woods two years, 15 mil of the offseason uh, to seemingly be the number one wide receiver, at least to start the season, um, because John Mechie, their draft pick from last year, who I believe was a second-round pick, third-round pick. Third, something around there, day two. Yeah, should have been day one, um, but because of his injury – um, he was overlooked until um, day two of the draft. Uh, so John Mechie's coming back fully healthy this year. And then um, you got Nico Collins as well, uh, who seemed to be the leader of that core last year. Uh, so, yeah, you got those three guys. And then they also brought in Dalton Schultz from Dallas. Uh, didn't give him too much commitment. Brought him in on a one-year, $6 million deal. Uh, so kicking the tires there on Dalton Schultz. And then as far as the running backs go, pretty solid situation. I mean, Damian Pierce had a great rookie season. Um, he was top five in yak and yards after the uh, yards after contact. Um, so that's great to hear. Um, but they did bring in Devin Singletary as well, um, which means great things for their overall offense. Um, he'll probably get more of the receiving work as Damian Pierce gets more of the groundwork. Um, but we'll see how it goes. So who are you most excited about um, on – among all these playmakers in Houston. Uh, as far as who I'm most excited about, it's probably John Mechie. You know, obviously he uh, goes gets drafted last year, 
and doesn't get to play at all because he is dealing with, uh, I believe it was lymphoma. Uh, he had some form of cancer. I remember that. Um, yeah. And he was mm-hmm. able to beat that and get back on the football field, which is awesome to see for him and, you know, for everybody. And I really liked him coming out. Uh, I had him as a day one player prior to the injury. Uh, ends up going in the second or third round. And now he gets his real rookie season here. But this is kind of an underrated group. Uh, Pierce obviously played very well. In stretches last year, wasn't able to really string it together throughout an entire season, but we saw flashes of this guy potentially being a good starting running back in the NFL. I think adding Dalton Schultz uh, adds a lot to this offense in a similar way because C.J. Stroud has a lot of Dak Prescott in his game, and adding a Dalton Schultz who played with Dak Prescott and having that safety blanket for him is going to do wonders for Stroud, I believe, and wide receiver one here is a bit complicated because there's reports coming out that Nico Collins is the guy for Stroud. Then it's John Mechie. It's also Tank Dell, who supposedly Stroud called and said, go get this guy uh, in the third round. And then just based off pedigree, you would think it's probably Robert Woods. So doesn't really seem like anybody knows what's going on in Houston. And we'll probably just have to wait it out and see what happens uh, in week one. But I think it's an undergraded group. We've got we've got them at last. We've got them at thirty two. So don't get it twisted. It's it's really just that wide receiver pair. You know, like I said, I like John Mechie, but there's just so many good wide receivers in the NFL now that you can't really run out with Nico Collins and John Mechie as your two perimeter receivers and expect to be much higher than this. But you know, as far as Woods, Pierce, Schultz goes, I think that's a pretty solid group and they just they need more time to work on this group and just be able to add more as time goes along. Yeah, agreed. I think Woods opens the year as the clear wide receiver one. Um, he was able to prove in Tennessee that he can be if he needs to. I'm not saying that he's an efficient or effective wide receiver one, but if he needs to be the top pass kept, catching option in an offense, uh, he can be because he was for Tennessee last year. He did only have two touchdowns, which was definitely rough. Uh, but he led the team in catches, yards, um, all of the above uh, targets. So he's able to be a number one option. He probably will be to start the year, and that's what money points to. I mean, two years, 15 mil, that's not a small contract by any means, and it shows some level of commitment uh, considering they signed it to two years. Uh, so we'll see what they get out of a 31-year-old Bobby Trees. Um, but as you mentioned, I'm super excited about John Mechie as well. Um, I was a huge fan of college while he was at Alabama. Um, some... You could even make the argument that he was better in some ways than Jamison Williams was at Alabama. Um, They did two very separate things, two very different things. John Mechie was uh, a catch gobbler, you know, a target gobbler. And Jamison Jamison Williams can be that big play guy. Um, But John Mechie, before the ACL tear, was electric that season and was probably their wide receiver one going in. So I like John Mechie this year. And uh, Tank Dell, you mentioned Tank Dell. I forgot to mention him off the bat. Um, I'm a fan. There's been a lot of buzz about him. He is extremely small. I believe he's like 5'8", 160, something like that. And the track record for guys that size playing in the NFL at wide receiver it's is zero. not too great. There isn't one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you serious? There's never I been a guy that I mean, small. In the Super Bowl era, I can't think of too many five eight guys that have gone out i mean even if he is like a ultra athlete he might even be smaller than that um 
because I know Calvin Austin, who's you know also a smaller guy, but who's like a hundred percentile athlete everywhere else, um, is currently in the league. But we'll see. I, I think that'll be a fun one, especially since, like you said, there's no real true leader in the clubhouse here in this wide receiver room. There's no reason why that if he doesn't play well enough, he can't get on the field. And if he gets on the field, you know, maybe he opens some doors for guys that are that size, that are those like crazy athletes that just never get the chance because of their size. Yeah, for sure. Uh, last guy I'll mention, um, I know you talked about him a little bit, uh, Dalton Schultz. I like this a lot for Houston. I think they got him on a bargain, one year, six mil. So don't have to put too much investment into him. And uh, hopefully you can get some of the return um, that he saw just two years ago. Uh, he was top three tight end in fantasy. And um, he became one of the most reliable pass catchers for Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. Um, so, yeah, Dalton Schultz, a solid option for Houston to bring in on the back end in the offseason. So, yeah. But that just about does it for our playmakers. So let's move on to our next slide that we got here, which is the offensive line for the Houston Texans. Um, you got some highlights here. Laramie Tunsil definitely leading the way for this uh, Texans O-line. Um, they got Kenyon Green, correct, uh, last year in the draft. And then uh, Shaq Mason as well. So those guys headline the O-linemen. Um, but I'll hand it over to you, man, to provide some more deep analysis. Yeah, this is probably their strongest group that they have. Uh, Laramie Tunsil, probably the second best left tackle in the NFL behind uh, Trent Williams. They also have Shaq Mason here as well, comes over from Tampa Bay after coming over from New England the year before that. Still, you know, a solid guard. Um that's going to play for them and is going to be one of their centerpieces. And, you know, what he provides on the field is going to equal what he provides off the field with mentoring a guy like Kenyon Green. You know, Shaq Mason has been an all pro level guard in this league and can hopefully lead that lead the way for uh, a guy like Kenyon Green, who was a first round pick. They've also brought in Juice Scruggs as a center in the second round. I believe he was the first center off the board, if I'm not mistaken, um, just because John Michael Smith's fell a little bit. Uh, as did Joe Tipman. He might have been the second behind Joe Tipman, but still was very highly drafted, was a round two pick. Um, was seen behind those two guys in Joe Tipman in, and John Michael Smiths, but still a solid player. And Titus Howard is a, another solid starting tackle. So, you know, we have them here at 15th. This is the highest they rank in any of our rankings. Uh, and this is this is going to be their calling card, is especially if they can get something you know, some improvement out of one of Kenyon Green, Juice Scruggs, Titus Howard. you got to imagine you get a little bit of something more out of one of those three guys. And if they can get that, you know, maybe we could push this into being a top 10 unit. Yeah, for sure. Um, Stroud's got to be happy to have uh, the unit that he has protecting him for the season. Um, but this is a team that threw the ball third least out of any team in the NFL last year. Uh, so that would tell you that they plan on running the ball or – that would tell you that they plan on throwing the ball this year. Uh, but they did bring in Devin Singletary. So obviously they want to like put some investment into the running game. And that only is aided by a great offensive line. So Singletary, Pierce running behind this line, and a rookie quarterback sitting behind it. I think you're in a good spot. All right. Well, let's move on from the O-line, uh, our highest-ranked Texans um, category. And let's move on to the front seven, which seems to be highlighted by the guy that they traded up 
at three to get. Um, that was kind of like draft day esque if you ever seen that movie. Um, but that was that was some wild stuff. Uh, Houston making back to pack picks at two and three. Um, they go their guy Will Anderson at three, who was honestly probably the top prospect in this draft for two years prior to the draft um, and leading up until obviously quarterbacks sweep the way um, as every draft process rolls along. Um, but yeah, this is a pretty good group. Um, anything that catches your eye off the bat? Uh, I think just obviously I think Will Anderson's phenomenal. He was my best player in this class. Uh, I remember about week eight, I made a very poorly drawn Snapchat Photoshop of him in a Will Anderson jersey of just a, you know, drawing black over the red Alabama with the little Steelers logo on the side of his head. So that's pretty much what it felt like, where it felt like we were headed for a little bit. Um, but I think he's phenomenal. Now, the draft day trade, we talked about it a little bit when we covered Arizona, but we obviously much more covered Arizona's side of it. It's kind of rough when you're, you know, you leverage that pick from last year into a pick from this year and it's for a defender. Like when you give up a first round pick like that, when you give up the 12th pick plus a future first, that's probably going to be in the top five or eight, uh, you know, best case scenario, it's probably in the top 10 and you go get up, you go get an edge defender as opposed to getting a quarterback you're going to get some eyebrow raises and some people like to do mental gymnastics where, you know, you say, well, they draft, let's say they draft Will Anderson and they traded up for CJ Stroud, but it's not really how that worked. Um, but I like Will Anderson. And I think, uh, like I said a little bit in the write-ups that this is a culture move. This is bringing in a guy who's, you know, can be an elite pass rusher in this league. You also obviously bring in an, a guy who can be elite quarterback in this league and CJ Stroud. you you're trying to change the culture here for a team that has done so little to try and improve the roster over the last two years while they were waiting out the Deshaun Watson situation. Another really underrated move I liked was Denzel Perriman. This is a guy who, as a linebacker, has been one of the, I don't know, 12, 15 best linebackers in the NFL, somewhere around there, and they got him for an absolute bargain. Nobody talks about him, but he's going to be here. Same thing with Jerry Hughes. This is a guy who gets a lot of pressures. Mm-hmm almost every year and they got him last off season and he played pretty well for them this past year. But, and that's another guy It's great to have in the locker room for Will Anderson. Um, I like I said, I really like Will Anderson, uh, but I'm not sure about the move for it. But again, this is our 30th ranked group, our 30th ranked front seven here. So not a whole lot to be excited about, but maybe in a few years with some more additions and the development of Will Anderson, we could be talking about it in a much better light. Yeah, for sure. Uh, last thing on Will Anderson that I'll mention. Um, I mean, he definitely fell on draft boards um, as the draft process rolled along. Um, I heard a lot of the speculation was because that maybe he was too small uh, to like play at the same level he had been I, playing I at Alabama was, in the league. I think it was a little bit of prospect fatigue where a guy's been the number one you know, non-quarterback, the number one prospect for so long that we just get so bored of it. And we want to, you know, put somebody else in there. It was the same thing that happened last year with like Aiden Hutchinson, and it happened. It, it almost happened the year before with Trevor Lawrence when like Fields had that big game, and everybody's like, "Oh, well, what if we make? What if we take Fields number one? If what if Zach Wilson goes number one?" And you know, we just get tired of hearing the same guy over and over again. And that's kind of how it felt with Will Anderson. But I, you know, I still think getting him at three is good value. It's just the trade that makes it weird. Yeah, for sure. I got to agree with that. Um, last thing, 
where would you put him in relation to like a Micah Parsons? Because he is Parsons. It's like that smaller type build that used to play end and might have to transition a linebacker. Well, the, the exactly. thing with Parsons was Parsons got drafted as a as an off ball. He got drafted as like your traditional linebacker type, and then has now transitioned to edge and become a monster. Will Anderson's getting drafted as an edge and has been playing that you know for his entire life now at this size. I, I still think he's going to be fine. I see a lot of Khalil Mack in his game like current present day Khalil Mack obviously you know Khalil Mack in Chicago in Oakland was an absolute monster um and I don't know if Will Anderson's ever going to get there but if you can get present day Khalil Mack from the third pick I think you're taking that every day of the week and that's I think that's what the Texans are banking on here yeah for sure for sure so a solid front seven for the the Houston Texans. Uh, but let's move on to the secondary. Actually, might be more exciting uh, because they've got another top prospect, uh, which they drafted last year, and that is Derek Stingley coming back this year. Uh, they got Peachtree at safety, and they got Jimmy Ward bringing him over from San Fran, which is a big deal. He'll be a nice culture change on that defense or in that secondary, I should say. Um, but who are some guys you want to highlight on this list? Oh, well, I absolutely love Derek Stingley. I had Derek Stingley not super far ahead of Sauce Gardner last year, and I guess you know that doesn't look great, but I, I'm proud of it. I, I felt like th- my process there was good. Um, I still like Stingley. Like, I would not be surprised if Stingley becomes a top-five corner in this league even after he didn't look fantastic last year. Like, it just – it he got drafted to uh, Lovey Smith's – Tampa 2 system that he runs and Derek Stingley is a man corner so he was put in a lot of you know a lot of shallow zones and stuff that he's just not used to playing in he's used to just running with guys all the time and when you're forced to play zone a lot that you know it messes with you and it's something that he'd never done to that point and he hadn't been playing a whole lot of football so now not only does he have to get back into the swing of playing football again he's also got to completely switch what he had been doing and been so dominant at when he was in his freshman year at LSU so I still like him. I love his outlook for this year coming in with the Miko Ryan's defense and a secondary that I really think we ranked a little bit too low. I think I had them fairly high. Maybe that's my, you know, me thinking too highly of Derek Stingley. I think Steven Nelson is your perfect, like solid starting corner in the NFL. Same thing with Desmond King is your solid slot corner in the NFL. Jalen Petre got a lot of hate last year for how many missed tackles he had. He had an insane amount of missed tackles. But he also had an insane amount of tackles, which means he's around the ball a lot. Like, to be around the ball that much, that's a good thing. You know, tackling technique, you can work on that as you become a pro. That's one of the easiest things that you can figure out, you know, just putting weight on and working on your technique. You can't teach how often he was around the ball. And you're also adding Jimmy Ward, who's been a very good starter in San Francisco with D'Amico Ryans for, I couldn't believe, he's he got drafted in 2014. That doesn't that didn't feel right to me oh, at all. What? I know. I oh, know. Shit. I couldn't believe that either. Yeah. So I think Old he, fella. he is he's pushing thirty. So yeah, maybe you pull back a little bit as a member of the secondary, but we know that guys get older and stay at safety for a while. But I, I like this group a lot. If their offensive line wasn't so good, I'd probably be saying that this is their best group. Um, cause I, I really like a lot of the players in it and I think that they've got maybe the biggest potential to go up of any secondary group in the league. Yeah. I mean, and they're headed by, uh, and we'll talk more about it in a little bit, but 
this defense is being overtaken by probably the best defensive coordinator that we've seen in a while. Um, and now he's the head coach over there. So that's pretty exciting. Um, but he'll be able to really uh, put his spin onto this defense. And maybe you see Derek Stingley playing less zone than he was before. Maybe he plays more to guys like Stingley's uh, strengths, you know. So that is yet to be seen, but it will be exciting to see how it plays out. Uh, but let's move on from the secondary and move into the guy that I just mentioned, and that is D'Amico Ryans. I mean, is there much to, like, can you think of any better defensive coordinators within the past 10 years off the top of your head? Phew, that's a, that is a tough, it's a tough ask, man. I know when Todd Bowles came in, that was a, he was a hot hire uh, coming in as a D.C., any number of New England guys, it felt like when those guys came up at, from the defensive coordinators, because you know you stay in the Belichick tree. Brian Flores is the name that comes to mind, at least off the top of my head. But it, it, whenever you're thinking of the best coaches now, you're thinking of all these offensive minds that have come up, and that's right. why it's kind of tough. Uh, and that's why I think his ceiling as a coach is a little bit limited, and this coaching staff's ceiling is a little bit limited, just because it's led by a defensive coach that doesn't have that um, that culture already established guys like Tomlin guys like Vrabel that are defensive minded head coaches uh, are really more like CEO types that just kind of bring the culture together and their coordinators do a lot of the play calling and stuff like that and I do think that D'Amico Ryans can be a guy that can establish that um, but I think this was probably the best hire of this cycle for sure uh, this is my favorite hire of this cycle. And I didn't really, I forgot to mention it when we were going to the front seven, you know, I think D'Amico Ryan's being here had a lot to do with the trading up for Will Anderson because D'Amico Ryan's wasn't, was an edge rusher himself, did play for the Texans, did go to Alabama. Maybe he sees some of himself in Will Anderson. Um, I've, not, no shade hopefully he's better than towards himself. no shade yeah. towards D'Amico Ryan's but I hopefully <laughs> Will Anderson as the number three overall pick is a little bit better than D'Amico Ryan's but hopefully. I, I definitely think that that had something to do with it you know again the Alabama connection playing the same position uh and I, I couldn't have picked a better coach that I would have want to had coach Will Anderson other than the very the very great Mike Tomlin yeah. Okay. All right. Fair. Gonna. I don't know if I could say the same about my head coach Ron Rivera. Uh. But I also. Hey. Come on. What the? That was. That was a low blow, man. I didn't even. You didn't have to do that. I I'll carry on. I don't know why I did it. Because <laughs> you're a bad person. Uh. D'Amico Ryan's man. Like. I also agree that he was the best hire of the cycle. Um. He's a super high energy guy. Like you mentioned. Um, definitely more of the CEO type. He's going to bring a huge culture change into the Houston uh, that is desperately needed. I mean, people inside Houston's building over the past few years have been pretty adamant that it's a toxic workplace. I mean, you saw that unfold in a national stage um, when the Texans organization wanted them to lose the final game of the season. And Lovey Smith said, you know what? Up yours, man. Uh, so, yeah, you saw that unfold on a national stage. So things weren't going too well in Houston. Uh, but you got an organizational overhaul this year. And that starts with bringing in D'Amico Ryans. So new culture, new vibes. And I like the direction that Houston is headed. I mean, they're a young team headed in the right direction with a young coach with a lot of energy. So good things in Houston to come. Maybe not this year, but soon in the future. So, all right. 
Let's move on from D'Amico. Ryan, do so we want to do any talk about the coordinators? or We can do a little bit. Um, not a, Like I said, defensively, not a whole lot to say here because obviously I think D'Amico Ryans is going to be calling game, calling plays. Um, they're going to be running the Shanahan scheme on offense. Uh, he brought over their passing game coordinator from San Francisco, so they're going to be running that scheme. And, you know, who knows, maybe he we've seen that Shanahan tree produce guys like Mike McDaniel. Maybe this is another guy, Bobby Slug. Maybe he could be another guy that comes out and gets a head coaching job running that scheme. But I think, for sure, for sure. real quickly, I think Stroud, like, he's your perfect Shanahan style court. Like we said, we saw Dak Prescott in his game. We see some Jimmy G with, you know, that, that kind of quarterback that's just your facilitator isn't going to extend plays a whole lot, but can play point guard for you the way that Dak Prescott, Jimmy G, those kinds of guys do. Yeah, for sure. And Bobby Slug, I mean, he was witness to uh, a lot of success offensively in San Fran. Um, so maybe D'Amico Ryans and Slowick can uh, duplicate that going forward. Um, they also brought in Dalton Schultz, uh, which is not George Kittle. But, you know, they're trying to create something similar, which is kind of exciting, you know, and is possible. So we'll see. All right. Let's move on from the coaching and let's dive into the schedule, shall we? All right. So strength of schedule, according to Vegas, is uh, 30th in the league right now. Um, their over under is six and a half wins. So what are we thinking here, man? I'm looking down this schedule and I don't think they're going to do it. I think this isn't the year. I think it's going to, there's going to be a lot of promise. There's going to be a lot of buzz. There's going to be big plays that you see from Damian Pierce bombs thrown by CJ Stroud down to John Mechie in the end zone for a 90 yard touchdown. Things like that are going to happen and they'll happen again in the future. But I think this year they're going to be figuring it out. C.J. Stroud's going to be thrown into the fire. Uh, Ohio State quarterbacks don't have the best record of being thrown right into the fire and doing well. Uh, so rest in peace, Wayne Haskins. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see how this pans out. I don't think it's going to be this year, but what do you think? Why <clears throat> does, Ve- does Vegas determine the Stanks schedule now? I must have. Did I miss that? Yeah, um, I, you're going to. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just I was just checking. I don't know. Yeah, again, I don't think it's this year. First year quarterback, first year head coach. Um, They do have the easiest strength of schedule. They play in what is arguably the worst division in the NFL. And they're going to be playing, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they're going to be playing what is the other the other division with the argument for the worst in the NFL in the NFC South. So you, you got what you play each team in your division twice you got six not you got nine games there that i honestly think they could win any number of those games like they're not going to be favored in a whole lot of them but they're all winnable games any of those games in the nfc south um and the afc south now once they play outside of it i see they have the cardinals here and they got the afc north so that's a tough one but six and a half I, i think we might be a too soon um for that at this point in time but maybe next year we're looking at this a little bit favorably, but you know, you know how Vegas works. The line will probably move a little bit. Yeah. I mean, looking at this schedule, like the Titans, they probably take one, if not both from them. Uh, they got the Colts in week two. You said the Titans? 
Yeah, they got the Titans in 15. We're not spoiling anything here when I say that you had the Titans as dead last in your power rankings. This is not our consensus, but Kane had them dead last. So, yeah. taking both? Yeah. Taking both? Experience. Experience. Brable's been Brable. a coach. You know That doesn't move them up got... in power rankings, though. Of course not. You're right. Okay. All right. Like, they probably... Stick to your guns, damn it, man... Kane. Plant your flag. All right. If I'm a, if I'm a betting man... D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud are going to kick the shit out of the Tennessee Titans in Weeks 15 and Week 17. So, I have full faith. Or unfaith in the the Titans, I should say. Um, But there's a possibility that they maybe seven wins. Like, I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see it. I just – not yet. Not quite yet. There's too many good teams in the NFL. There's a reason we're ranking them 30th. To get them to seven wins, like, I don't think there were too many teams that got to seven wins last year. I mean, the Steelers got to nine. They were obviously knocking on the door of the playoffs, and they were picking. We're going to have them somewhere in the teens, probably. Um, so it's, it's just, it's really hard to win seven games in the NFL, and I don't think this is one of those teams that can do it. Yeah, I think overall, I agree with you. All right, let's move on from the schedule and dive into our wrap-up segment, uh, which is just looking overall at the rankings. Uh, So to wrap it up, their offense this year, according to the Blitz podcast members, is ranked 32 out of 32 teams. So that's pretty rough. Uh, On the defensive side, though, aided by D'Amico Ryans, but obviously not too much. Uh, because we have them at 29 in the defensive rankings. And as far as their championship window, I would we got uh, not in it two to three years away, which is definitely appropriate. I think it might even be longer than two to three years. Again, like it's so subjective because if C.J. Stroud is fantastic, wins rookie of the year, Wide receivers take steps. They could be in the championship window next year. But if C.J. Stroud sucks, we could be another five to six years away because they got to go through the whole rookie quarterback process. they got to draft a new one and then start all over again. So, again, this is pure projection. Nobody knows, you know, the only people that know when we're going to be, when teams are going to be in championship windows are God. We we have no idea. <laughs> like, the the only team that I'm going to say comes Well, what do we do? What do we even do this podcast for then? You're right. We don't Let's know. just stop. I mean, let's, all right. You ready? <laughs> ready to roll? Okay. But, like, outside of your Chiefs, Bengals, Bills, teams with franchise, Eagles, teams with franchise quarterbacks, Ravens, Chargers, those are the only teams that we can say, yeah, they're probably in a championship window this year because they've got this guy. And even then, when, like, we're talking about the Ravens, as soon as they paid Lamar Jackson, their championship window might be closed because they can't afford to sustain the roster around them. So maybe we need to adjust our criteria a little bit because the Texans do have a quarterback on a rookie deal. But the problem is this roster's got a long way to go. And that was kind of my thing with them is, yeah, they're going to be ranking 30th, but it's nice to see them do something. Because the last two off seasons, yeah. it felt like they just kind of sat on their hands waiting for the Deshaun Watson thing to get figured out. And... Now that they've, you know, not only did they go and draft C.J. Stroud as opposed to putting off quarterback for another year to wait for Caleb Williams like, you know, myself and a lot of other people thought they should just because this roster isn't ready and you could be in a you know, place to get Caleb Williams or whoever next year. They go out and they get C.J. Stroud and then they 
even double down on that to go get Will Anderson because you've got to create a culture because if you just keep doing this thing where you wait and you wait and you wait, nobody's going to want to sign here. Guys aren't going to want to stay here. And that's not something that you want to create, especially when you're in a big market. I mean, outside of LA, New York, and I mean, Florida's becoming a much bigger market than it has been in the past, but Houston's about as big as it gets other than those two cities. So you can build something here. Um, and it, it really all relies on the shoulders of CJ Stroud, but I still think that this roster, you know, the offensive line solid. We need you need more playmakers. You probably need more in the front seven, but maybe maybe it's not as far away as we think. But again, all on CJ Stroud to be able to push that team forward. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you mentioned it. Like this is a football town. Like they want a good football team. I mean, the heyday of JJ Watt, Aaron Foster. Matt Shaw. Those eight and eight Texans teams, their heyday. Dude, D Hop, like, come on. They made the playoffs. Yeah, and then I, cooking. their heyday. And supposed, the energy in Houston yeah. was like. The quote awesome. unquote heyday yeah. was definitely the Watson years, like the 21 0 lead against the eventual champion Kansas City Chiefs. Kind of crazy to think that that happened at one point in time. That that team, who like was blown up maybe a year and a half later, was going to beat the dog shit out of Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs who have won two Super Bowl championships and now we're here with the Texans like imagine if that game goes differently maybe we're talking about the Texans two months from now Um, but it didn't happen and Sean Watson's in Cleveland and CJ Stroud's here in Houston yeah for sure like I mean as far as this offseason goes like rebuilding wise this is like a plus, like this is one of the best off seasons that a rebuilding team could have in their first year as fa- as fa- of rebuilding. Yeah. As far as adding talent, as just like if you're counting right. the talent that they added, yeah, it's just next year. What happens when you're sitting there without your first round pick? That if things don't go right, could be the number one overall pick in you know other than the Trevor Lawrence class. It's the most valuable number one overall pick in ten to fifteen years. And if you like right. really liked C.J. Stroud. You could be, all right, well, we're going to get three first-round picks for this number one pick. Or you could stay there, take Caleb Williams, and, you know, we're, we'd be really in business with talking about, like, I don't think there would be as much skepticism as there is with C.J. Stroud with Caleb Williams, obviously, because we're, you know, talking about a potential generational quarterback prospect. But it's just, it, it's going to take a year until we figure, maybe maybe it won't take a year. Maybe we'll know by midseason, like, whew, that that was not the wisest move, but... It again, you got you had to make this move for the for the culture and to to build something for this team. But we'll see in a year's time if they regret it. Yeah, for sure, we will see with time how the thirtieth ranked Houston Texans in twenty twenty three end up going from here. Uh, but an exciting start to the rebuild, and um, we're excited to see the flashes that come from their uh, young talent this year. So. All right, for the Power Rankings episode covering the Houston Texans, we'll have our next episode coming out really soon. Uh, We got so far Cardinals, Rams, and Texans down, and many more to come. Can't wait to get started. We will catch you later. Peace.